Welcome, true believers, to Wrestle with Hope, a wrestling podcast with a Saturday morning sentiment and Sunday morning values. I'm your host, Wayne Cordova. My wrestling fandom covers the birth of Hulkamania, past the Monday Night Wars, and all the way to this modern era. Each episode, we'll hit a topic about what's happening this week in wrestling currently, something that happened this week in wrestling in the past, and give the go-home signal with a Wrestle with Hope word for the week. And along the way, you'll catch a glimpse of what my wrestling past was like and why I still watch now. Now, this uh, past episode, this past week, actually, has been such an action-packed week that I had to wait through the rest of this weekend before I could provide this episode for you. And so keep in mind, we had a lot going on. We had the debut of WWE SmackDown, Friday Night SmackDown on Fox. And then throughout this, we also had uh, you know Monday Night Raw. We had the debut of NWA Power, and I'll talk a little bit more about that as well. NXT, AEW, and all the way back to SmackDown again for the beginning of the WWE draft and so we'll get there in just a second but you know we've had some great feedback on the podcast and uh, I just wanted to share with you guys some of the messages that we've received recently so um, here's a here's one email that we got over at wrestlewithhope at gmail.com and it says this says I just wanted to drop you a line and tell you that I'm really enjoying your podcast I'm a former wrestler in Georgia and current pastor And I love anything that combines pro wrestling and Jesus. I actually created the Wrestle Church Ministry to be a chaplain of sorts in the wrestling business. I got turned on to the podcast through my mentor, Nikita, and have gone back and caught up with the rest of them. It's fantastic. Keep up the great work. Thank you, Marty, from Wrestle Church. Marty, thanks so much for the kind words. And I take it that your mentor is actually Uncle Nikita. That's right, the Russian nightmare, Nikita Koloff. If you missed that interview, that was part of our special Tuesday bonus episodes called Wrestle with Hope, WWH, in this corner. We just had an incredible interview with the Russian nightmare, Nikita Koloff. Make sure you check that out. You'll find them on the same exact feed. And so just go back to our past episodes and you can download that one if this is your first episode. Had some great, um, um, another couple of great reviews, by the way. So if you are listening to us, no matter where you download podcasts, give us a, a review. An honest review would be great. Five star is fantastic. And if you want to write down uh, a message or two towards us, we would love to read those on the air. And so uh, got one straight from Emilio2068. And it said, great summaries of wrestling during the week. And I enjoy the blast from the past, recalling history of wrestling from that week in years past. I love the word of the week. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much. And then also from Tim, S1130, he writes, I love that he ties his fandom with his faith. Looking forward to more interview segments. What the word of the week will have to do with the current events in pro wrestling and more. Thanks a lot. And then we had Greg 
write in, amazing podcast. I love that I can listen to this podcast with my seven-year-old son. I cannot say that about any other wrestling podcast out there. Wayne's passion for pro wrestling is off the charts while talking about the current product and taking us back to dis- uh, taking us back to discuss the matches of our childhood. At the same time, his word of the week and message for the episode is not lost, but instead it carries through the entire show. Not only does this show give my son and I prompts to discuss our faith, but I find him finding out that wrestlers' own faith journeys totally make him mark out. I love that. But this also gives us the opportunity to go back and watch classic WWE matches and storylines that he heard on the show. I love the show and keep up the great work. Greg, thanks so much. Uh, really appreciate the current re- the reviews and the messages. Keep those up, guys. And uh, we're looking at, in the future, installing a, uh, a uh, voicemail line so that we can kind of cover some voicemails in the future. But, guys, this week in wrestling was so huge that I had to take in a couple of extra days just to digest it all and to make sure that I took it all in. So let's talk about what's happening this week in wrestling. Let's dive right into, first off, first off, Friday Night SmackDown's debut last week. Last week was a huge week. The show opened, we're just going to kind of cover with a few of the highlights just so we're clear on that. The show opened up with Vince and Stephanie McMahon welcoming everybody to the new era of SmackDown on Fox. And Vince came out, everybody was singing along with his theme song, and uh, it's always neat when the McMahons could come out and actually just kind of have a moment of enjoying what it is that they've worked towards. Not serving as characters, not necessarily just kind of serving to further along storylines, but to be able to step up and to just really kind of soak it all in. That was just really neat uh, to see Vince and Stephanie out there to kind of kick things off. Then we had Becky Lynch come in to the ring and speak, but was interrupted by King Corbin. They were both interrupted by then The Rock. The Rock and Becky Lynch, they both made fun of King Corbin, calling him Burger King on crack, and then some other choice names we're not going to mention on this show. They teamed up to beat him up. I thought that was just really cool, real smooth looking. And then The Rock hit the rock bottom and the people's elbow, giving everybody what they wanted. And speaking of giving everybody what they wanted, then you had the man in action, in tag action with Charlotte Flair, as they defeated Sasha Banks and Bayley. Flair tapped out Bailey with the figure eight to win the match. And man, what a what a night that was. Just honestly, just kind of getting everything set up. It was just an amazing time. Then you had Seth Rollins versus Shinsuke Nakamura. And I was <laughs> I should have known better. I was really I was looking forward to the match and I thought it would be a great match. However, you know, it's just with all this stuff with the fiend that was happening. You had Bray Wyatt interrupting Rollins' entrance with an episode of the Firefly Funhouse featuring Ramblin' Rabbit dressed as Rollins and then getting killed inside a tiny Hell in a Cell by Mercy the Buzzard. And then the match ended quickly when The Fiend showed up and choked out Rollins with a mandible claw. Then you had your career versus career. So much was going on this week, guys. Career versus career ladder match. Kevin Owens defeated Shane McMahon. Owens powerbombed McMahon onto a chair and was able to pull down the briefcase to win the match. And per the pre-match stipulation, that means the McMahon was fired from WWE. Owens pulled the McMahon up to tell him that he was fired and then hit a stunner 
to celebrate with everybody. Then, now we start getting into all the celebrity stuff going on. Because then you have Braun Strowman, The Miz, and Heavy Machinery defeating AJ Styles, Robert Roode, Dolph Ziggler, and Randy Orton. This was matches kind of thrown together specifically so that Strowman would pin Ziggler with a power slam and then almost get into a fight with boxer Tyson Fury. So, you know, we had Tyson Fury, you know, climbing over the the security railing. And I got to tell you, <laughs> this is just going to reveal a little bit about uh, me and my mindset when it comes to other sports and everything else that's out there. Um, I'm not much of a boxing guy currently. And I have no idea, had no idea who Tyson Fury was or is. So I didn't really get excited about it. I didn't really kind of go, ooh, look at this crossover star. Um, however, in the, in the rest of this week, as everything played out, they got my interest, and I finally see where they're heading. And so I get it now, and it kind of it makes sense. Then EDM DJ Marshmallow won the 24-7 championship from Carmella. Don't worry, Carmella would get it back eventually <laughs> uh, with, with the rest of the night. However, uh, or wait, or did, did Truth get it? One of the two got him back. Carmella, they traded left and right all the time anyway. We had a Lumberjack. Roman Reigns defeated Eric Rowan. Reigns won with a spear after Daniel Bryan helped him fight off Rowan and Luke Harper. And then after the match, Bryan and Reigns, they, they, they shook hands. WWE Championship match. This was what ended the night, guys. Oh, my goodness. Brock Lesnar defeated Kofi Kingston with an F5 in like two seconds to win the WWE Championship. And then after the match, Rey Mysterio shows up with Kane Velasquez in tow. Another full disclosure, um, I, I didn't know who Kane Velasquez was at first sight. Now, when I saw him, I didn't I didn't know who this guy was. I thought, you know, like, like I you know, I'm like, "Oh, okay, somebody new is coming. Why is Brock Lesnar afraid of this guy named Kane Velasquez?" And then I realized, "Oh, wait, Kane Velasquez is the guy that defeated Brock Lesnar in the UFC." Now I get it. All right, I'm intrigued. And so it was one of those things where I didn't like right away kind of jump up and if if I was somebody in the crowd, I don't know that I would have gotten all excited either. Unless somebody around me had said, oh, no, wait, that's Kane Velasquez. That's the guy who defeated Brock Lesnar in the UFC about 10 years ago. So anyway, they had this, you know, you know, face-to-face. He attacked Lesnar. They had a stare down. And uh, we're going to get more details on Velasquez and Lesnar a little bit later on this morning, a little bit later on today. But guys, I was sad to see Kofi go out like that. I mean, he had a good run as champ, facing some very credible opponents. But hopefully, hopefully this is just the pause button and not the stop. And this is what I mean by that. When I look at Kofi Kingston, I think of guys like Bret Hart in their first run at the championship. You see, I was a huge Bret the Hitman Hart fan. Huge. And... To see him go up, it was funny because like when we see when we saw Bret Hart go up, we saw Bret kind of go up and down because Bret was a tag team champion, and then he moved in. He dipped his toe in singles competition shortly after WrestleMania four, 
when he was second to last in the Battle Royal were that he lost to Bad News Brown. Now, we saw this singles resurgence when it came to the Hitman, and it didn't last long. And then before you knew it, he was back into tag teams. And then he kind of rose back up as a single, and he won the Intercontinental Championship. And then he lost that, and then he started rising again. And then here's what happened. Before we know, fast forward a little bit. Then when Brett became world champion, he lost that championship to Yokozuna with, with, by having rice thrown in his face. And, and then, you know, remember, like, he, then he had to be, like, he had to point Hogan, like, towards Yokozuna. And just like here, Kofi, like, he got done wrong, right? He got completely just, you know, um, decimated by Brock Lesnar. And then it's not even like Kofi's moment to get the title back. Then now you got Cain Velasquez coming in. And so I'm thinking to myself, maybe, just maybe, this is just a pause. Maybe this is just a pause in Kofi's career when it came to this world championship run. Because Bret Hart, he got back up on top. And, and, And that was just like a simple pause in his world championship run as well. He he got and he and he got that comeback. So maybe Kofi, here's the thing, maybe Kofi, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but maybe Kofi the pause button's been hit so that Lesnar and Velasquez can have their match at Crown Jewel and then that's over with for now. And then maybe just maybe Kofi gets another shot. We got to see how they um how they do things for the draft. For all we know, Kofi could have a run for the Universal Championship if he gets moved to Raw. Who knows? But anyway, I was sad to see Kofi go out like that, and hopefully we'll get to see more. See, we we even had a pay-per-view, guys. We had a pay-per-view this past week. Hell in a Cell had so much to talk about. So I mean, people were buzzing about the main event. I know that. But the match of the night for me was the Raw Women's Championship Hell in a Cell match. Becky Lynch defeated Sasha Banks. Lynch won by submission with the disarm her after getting a exploder off the ropes on a pile of steel chairs. It was an incredible match. From what I gather, I think Sasha's injured. So we'll have to get some more info on that. I don't know all the details. But Becky coming out on top again at the, at the start of that pay-per-view. Such an incredible thing to see. Later on that night, we're going to kind of catch some highlights, guys, that we uh, can kind of get through the rest of this week. Later on that night, women's tag team championship match, the Kabuki Warriors, they defeated Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. And then here's, man, I didn't expect this at all. I did not expect heel Asuka. I didn't expect heel Kyrie Sane. And oh my goodness, marching across that ring with just for the eye poke, I was dying. I was dying. And then you got heel Asuka spitting green mist into Cross's eyes and then kicked her in the head to win the match. And now you know, now you got new tag team champions, Kyrie Sane and Asuka. And heel Asuka and heel Kyrie Sane? That's awesome. I mean, I just here's the thing. Asuka's been ignored for way too long. And I think this is a, this is something that's good for them. I think this is gonna be great. I, I think adding the green mist is something that's fun coming from a woman wrestler. I think that that's just that's just so cool to see. Anyway. I got I'm a maybe I'm just a mark for green mist, but man, that was that was a lot of fun. Then you had the uh, then you had a SmackDown Women's Championship match later in the night, where Charlotte Flair defeated Bailey. 
Bailey got caught trying to pin Flair with her free with her feet on the ropes for leverage, and as she was arguing with the referee, Flair hit the big boot and locked into the figure eight to win the match and the championship. And then after the match, Bailey sat on the floor and threw a tantrum. Threw a tantrum, and and here's the funny thing: Charlotte wins her tenth title, and it's not over yet. In a few days, we're gonna see what happens next. And then the last match of that night at Hell in a Cell had the fiend Bray Wyatt um and Seth Rollins fight to a no decision a ref stoppage there was a ref stoppage stoppage basically um Rollins hit Wyatt with like a dozen stomps and a pedigree and couldn't keep him down and then Rollins hit Wyatt with a chair but then he kicked out and then Rollins piled a ladder on top and then a chair and then a toolbox on Wyatt's face and then hit him with the sledgehammer and that's when the referee called for the bell and the match ended. And then when the match ended, Bray Wyatt came back to life like he was Michael Myers or something and he wasn't going to stop. And so the battle just kept going and I know a lot of people did not like the ending of that match and I knew that the crowd was chanting some choice words. But one of those words was actually initials. They were chanting AEW really, really loud. Now, I don't understand necessarily the logic in chanting AEW. If you're trying to tell WWE that you have an alternative to switch to and to see something else, I'm pretty sure they know. But honestly, it's like if you don't like the outcome of the match, if you don't like the outcome of the thing, one thing is number one, you got to take a look at the whole story, see the whole big picture. But number two... Honestly, the way that you vote is you vote with your wallet. So, you know, it, that's just one of those things where, you know, you got to you vote with your ratings, you vote with your wallet, you vote with your downloads, you vote with your views. So, if you don't like something, those are some great ways to, you know, to protest and all that. I honestly I got to see how this goes. I got to see where this lands. I mean, this is why for me personally, I'm not a fan of the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. This match itself, the Hell in a Cell match, needs to be something that's a it's a it's a feud ender, not a feud starter. This is like old school steel cage matches, right? Old school steel cage matches, they ended feuds. They ended with somebody bloodied and beaten and on the floor and, and done. And in the same way with like war games, right? War games happens now every year at NXT around this time. And so when you get this every single time, when you know it's coming. Well, now you can kind of start to telegraph what's going to happen and who's going to be facing who. So just kind of, you know, keep that in mind. It's like, you know, when you see that, this is what I love. I love that Hell in a Cell was a um, was a maybe a possible feud ender for for Becky and Sasha. It should be at least. So we're going to have to see where it goes from there, because, man, we went straight back into Raw and Raw had a couple of highlights that I just wanted to uh, pinpoint here. First off. The Viking Raiders defeated the Raw Tag Team Champions Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, and it was a non-title match. What that means is that this week on Raw, Viking Raiders are facing Dolph and Roode for the Tag Team Championships, and I'm predicting brand new Tag Team Champs. I think this is the Viking Raiders' time, and I think they're going to get the championships and just in time for uh, them being drafted at Raw. They just got drafted, so we'll talk about that. Boxer Tyson Fury demanded an apology, by the way, from Braun Strowman 
And uh, the two exchanged insults. They got into a shoving match. They had to be separated by security. And that didn't work. So then the WWE locker room eventually emptied out to separate them as well. And now we know why this is happening. Braun Strowman is going to be facing, that's right, Tyson Fury at Crown Jewel. So now we know that all of this was happening because there's a couple of Crown Jewel matches that need to happen. And those are really high dollar matches. And so when that happens, I think that just kind of ends up being um, a way for WWE to kind of sneak this kind of stuff in. Is like, you know, there's only there was one reason why, you know, we were able to get Shawn Michaels and Triple H versus Kane and The Undertaker. You know, it's because that was an overseas match that got paid a lot of money for that. Now. Whether or not we like it, whether or not you want to see it or anything like that, that's not the point. The point is, is that, oh, you know, when it comes to this a la carte, hey, I'm going to pay, you know, we have pay-per-view for these Crown Jewels, you know, shows, they literally have pay for the card. And so the only thing that I'm kind of ex- like happy about is that this isn't going to necessarily get in the way of Survivor Series and this won't get in the way of Royal Rumble. And if any of these celebrities stick around, Tyson Fury or Cain Velasquez, it's going to be because they've they've earned their medal in 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 in, in winning over fans in these kinds of situ- uh, kinds of situations. So if you end up seeing Crown Jewel, let me know, and and let me know if, if if you think they've done a good job. I'm trying to see like without complaining too much. What I'm just trying to say is, I'm glad those matches are happening on Crown Jewel and not Survivor Series or Royal Rumble. Does that make sense? I hope so. Let me talk about something that I really, really enjoyed. This probably was the highlight of the week for me. And I know this is going to sound funny, but guys, I was so, so enamored with NWA power. So the National Wrestling Alliance, they started a brand new show this week. It's a studio wrestling show, a throwback to the early 80s, late 70s National Wrestling Alliance World Championship Wrestling shows. It happened in a studio, meaning the audience on one side of the ring only, uh, a podium interview segments, uh, the commentators being real kind of serving with an old school feel. And this did not disappoint if you go back and watch one wrestling thing this week and you want just a smile on your face just a feel-good kind of show go check out nwa power go and do that you're gonna see nick aldis as the nwa champion carrying the 10 pounds of gold that jack briscoe made famous that harley race made famous that rick flair and dusty Rhodes made famous before flair switched to the big gold And you're going to see Nick Aldis, who I know very little about. But from the moment I saw him, he looked like a world champion. He looked like somebody who carried himself like a Ric Flair. He looked like somebody that carried himself like a Nick Bockwinkle. He looked like somebody that deserved to have the 10 pounds of gold around his waist. And after NWA Power, I became a fan. I became a huge fan. I don't know that I could watch NWA wrestling right now in any other setting except for this studio setting, but man, 
It was awesome. So go and check it out. An incredible story between Tim Storm, former NWA world champion, and Nick Aldis. I, listen, I didn't know about Tim Storm much before this show, but I was invested in the main event with a simple four-minute video. It was amazing what they put together. Go and do yourself a favor. Check it out. I can't wait for the second episode of NWA Power this coming week. Then we moved on to this. is Guys, this is only Tuesday. Now on Wednesday, we had NXT and AEW. A couple of quick highlights from NXT. The Cruiserweight Championship was on the line, and you had Leo Rush defeating Drew Gulak with his final, his final hour frog splash to become the new what? NXT Cruiserweight Champion. And then after the match, William Regal presented the title to Rush, and now we have an, a secondary or a third-tier championship in NXT in the NXT Cruiserweight Championship. Then in the women's division, you had Rhea Ripley defeating Aaliyah by submission with a gorilla clutch. But after the match, Ripley said that she is coming for Shayna Baszler, and I cannot wait to see those two go at it. I'm a huge fan of Rhea Ripley. I'm a huge fan of Shayna Baszler. I don't know who to root for, except for lucky us, we get to see that. And then you had the NXT North American Championship. Roderick Strong defeating Isaiah Swerve Scott by submission with the Stronghold. Then you had the Undisputed Era come down to the ring after the match to check on Strong, and they were interrupted by the Velveteen Dream. Now, they had some Photoshop shenanigans up on the screen. And uh, after the Photoshop shenanigans were done, we find out that the Dream is going to challenge Roderick Strong for the title in two weeks. Then Tommaso Ciampa made an appearance telling Goldie his gold that he never lost, that daddy's coming home. I cannot wait to see Tommaso Ciampa versus Adam Cole, baby. Next week on NXT, Keith Lee is going to be facing Dominic Dijakovic in the main event. And then Pete Dunne said it right. Pete Dunne said it right versus Damian Priest is also on the card as well as Tommaso Ciampa versus Angel Garza stemming from the backstage confrontation that they had in this week's show. Guys, I don't know what happened to me. I know it's Pete Dunne. I know it is. My brain, for weeks, just wanted to say, on the podcast, on the podcast only, wanted to say Dune. It's not Dune. It's done. I know it. All those cards and letters and emails that you guys have been sending, I appreciate it. It's Pete Dunn. I know. I know. I apologize. I won't hurt you again. Let's move on. Walter defeated Kushida, by the way, at NXT. Kushida got hit with a shotgun dropkick and kicked out of a powerbomb, but fell to the ripcord lariat. And then Imperium posed on the stage to end that show. In my opinion, best wrestling show of the week. I was endeared by NWA Power, but NXT, hands down, was the best actual wrestling of the week. Some quick NXT, uh, some quick AEW results, by the way. The tournament started for the AEW Tag Team Championship. In the first round match, Private Party defeated the Young Bucks. Shortly after that match, Chris Jericho cut a promo with his new team, putting over each member and naming them the Inner Circle. So his team's got a name, 
His faction's got a name. They are known as the Inner Circle. And he also declared that the We the People chants that they were chanting for Jake Hager were a bad idea from Bad Creative and that it is dead and buried. Jericho put down the Rhodes family, saying that he thought Dusty was a jerk and that Dustin is a moron who he's going to beat up later tonight. Man, some shots were fired. But I, uh, I, I kind of like this. This is cool. I, I'm getting new. I'm getting to know new wrestlers on AEW, and I think putting them in a faction with Chris Jericho is perfect. I'm intrigued. I want to know who all these guys are, and I want to know what makes them tick, and I want to see them beat up people. So, I'm on board. We had a number one contenders match. Darby Allen defeated Jimmy Havoc. Allen won with a coffin drop, and will challenge Chris Jericho for the AEW Championship on next week's. Dynamite. Then Rio and Dr. Britt Baker defeated Emmy Sakura and B. Priestley. Baker tapped out Sakura to, with her dentist accurate mandible claw submission. And after the match, Priestley got in the in Baker's face, and the two scrapped until the referee had to separate them. Some finally some exciting action happening in the women's division of AEW. Then you had the best friends interviewed about next week's tournament match against SCU, and then Orange Cassidy gave them a thumbs up. So casual. John Moxley defeated Sean Spears on AEW Dynamite. Pac sat in on commentary and complained about not getting the opportunities that he deserves. Tully Blanchard, Sean Spears' manager, repeatedly interfered, but Moxley was able to win with a paradigm shift. And after the match, Kenny Omega showed up with a barbed wire baseball bat and a barbed wire broom. He tossed the bat to Moxley, challenging him, but Pac attacked Omega from behind with a chair, and Moxley just walked away. Then, in the main event of the night, Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara defeated Dustin Rhodes and Hangman Adam Page. Jericho pinned Rhodes with a Judas effect after interference from Jake Hager. Hager and Page fought to the back, leaving Jericho and Guevara to beat down Rhodes two-on-one. And then Cody made the save. He took out Guevara, but was attacked by Santana and Ortiz. And then MGF showed up with a steel chair, and he teased the heel turn. Isn't he a heel? Wait, he's a heel. But the inner circle attacked, and then Jericho got knocked out. No, Jericho knocked out MJF, and then the Young Bucks had to try and make a save. Jericho tried to leave with the AEW championship over his head, but Darby Allen skateboarded down the ramp and attacked him. Faces stood tall that night, and it all ended with Jericho telling Allen that next week is going to be his funeral. Guys, this was an amazingly long week, but I had to hold off. I had to wait until we got to Friday night SmackDown once again because we had to cover the draft. Otherwise, this whole... This whole episode would have been obsolete if I didn't cover the draft. So here we go. Seth Rollins, on the opener of Friday Night SmackDown, defeated Roman Reigns by disqualification. This match was supposed to be about who got the first pick of the draw draft, but again, The Fiend interfered one more time, coming up from the bottom of the ring. Stephanie McMahon showed up and then announced that the first round of the draft picks were... The number one overall draft pick, Raw Women's Champion, Becky Lynch, was the first draft pick, chosen by Monday Night Raw. 
Roman Reigns was SmackDown's first pick. Then the OC, AJ Styles, Carl Anderson, and Luke Gallows were drafted all to Raw. Bray Wyatt was drafted to SmackDown. And Drew McIntyre was drafted to Raw at the end of the first round. Then, when the second round came around, we had Stephanie McMahon choosing Randy Orton for Raw. Ricochet. Wait. Raw chose Randy Orton, Ricochet, and Bobby Lashley. Then you had SmackDown drafting Sasha Banks and Braun Strowman. Video package recapped the feud between Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman and then hyped their match at Crown Jewel. Then you had a segment with Braun, with sorry, with Brock Lesnar and Paul Heyman entering the ring. Heyman's promo on Lesnar's behalf was interrupted by Rey Mysterio and Kane Velasquez. Mysterio prompted WWE to show pictures of the 2010 UFC fight in which Velasquez defeated Lesnar. They pointed out that Velasquez gave Lesnar the scar on his face. In that fight, and Velasquez cut a promo on Lesnar in Spanish, promising to give him a matching one on the other side, and Mysterio graciously translated. Okay, so now, after this segment, I was interested. This is what I was interested in. I was interested in Rey Mysterio serving as Cain Velasquez's second. I loved that dynamic. I really enjoyed the fact that you got Kane here and he's doing his promos in Spanish. Ray's going to translate. Both men have some charisma on them. And in this feud with Lesnar, I think this whole thing works. I love the idea. I hope they keep Mysterio with Kane. I hope they keep them together. I hope they just they they form a group or something. But either way, I mean that that whole thing worked for me. I really enjoyed it. The draft by the way was hilarious. Okay, because you obviously had you had the <laughs> the actors in each war room serving uh, as as the the executives making their picks, and oh my goodness, how hilariously cheesy was that? The Fox had the football robot. Fox had the football robot there, guys. I that just that just it it, it cracked me up. It was unbelievably cheesy and so WWE. Um, but listen, you got more draft picks going on because Stephanie McMahon announced the third round of the draft, which was Alexa Bliss, Kevin Owens, and Natalia going to Raw, and then Lacey Evans and the SmackDown Tag Team Champions, The Revival, to SmackDown. After a commercial break, McMahon announced the draft's fourth and last round for the night. Viking Raiders, Nikki Cross, and Street Profits going to Raw, and Lucha House Party Heavy Machinery were chosen for SmackDown. But now, later on that night, the rest of the picks were made. Apollo Crews, Drew Gulak going to SmackDown. EC3, Eric Young going to Raw. Heath Slater, Tamina, and the B-Team going to SmackDown. Sin Cara going to Raw. Now, of all the people in the pool for, for SmackDown, do you know who was left out? Cesaro. Cesaro was listed in the pool for SmackDown and was not chosen for either side. In fact... Cesaro noticed it, and he tweeted out that he's a free agent. Now, if they don't do anything with him on Monday, and Cesaro's still a free agent, this is my pitch. Let Cesaro go to NXT. Send Cesaro to NXT so that he can be in NXT, NXT UK, NXT Japan. I don't care where else they send, but let him just be able to live 
on a roster that he can just do what he does best, have amazing matches, put a belt around his waist, let him be somebody's champion, but put him on one of those rosters and let Cesaro finally, finally shine. In the main event of Friday Night SmackDown, SmackDown Women's Champion, champion Charlotte Flair was defeated in her first defense after Hell in a Cell by Bailey. Again, Bailey had a new shorter haircut. She deflated her signature inflatable tube men and was given a more aggressive uh, just style throughout the entire match. She rolled up Flair while pulling her hair to win the SmackDown Women's Championship again for the second time. And now you've got Bad Bailey with a brand new theme song, too, by the way. Different song played at the end of that match. And now you've got Bad Bailey. And I'm I'm finally, finally interested in what's going on with Bailey. So finally, they've got me. Now it's Charlotte. I don't know where she goes from here. Is she going to get drafted to Raw next week? Time will only tell hey if you're enjoying wrestle with hope let me encourage you to make a donation to ability tree florida and support their mission ability tree florida is a nonprofit organization that comes alongside families impacted by disability and provides rest they provide a monthly respite night called parents night out where parents get a four-hour respite break for their child with special needs they provide support groups for both moms and for dads. They provide trainings and workshops for parents to better uh, understand that the the special needs life and that community that they are in. They do sensory friendly and handicap accessible family events for the entire family so everybody is included. Ability Tree does its best to come alongside families impacted by disability and provide rest. You could donate today by going to donorbox.org slash wrestle with hope. Donorbox.org slash wrestle with hope. If you donate $5, if you donate $5, that puts you in the Varsity Club. If you donate $10, that puts you in the Legion of Doom. $40 puts you in the Heart Foundation. That's that is literally support for one month of ability tree programming for a family. If you, if you support us for $80, you join the Dangerous Alliance and you support two months for a family or two families for one month. $100 lets you join the NWO. You can sponsor a support group for moms or dads with special needs for one session. For $400, you join the Four Horsemen. You can sponsor Parents Night Out for one month. You could also put another amount. That makes you a free bird doing your own thing. And for this uh, for this episode, I want to say a big thank you this week to Emilio for joining the NWO this month and sponsoring one support group for families with kids with special needs. Your $100 donation was just too sweet. All right, guys, let's talk about wrestling history this week. In wrestling history, a couple of things we wanted to kind of touch base on are this. 1997, October the 5th, was WWE Bad Blood in St. Louis, Missouri. Now, there was a handful of matches there to highlight. The Godwins defeated WWF Tag Team Champions, the Headbangers, to win the titles. 
The WWF Intercontinental Tournament Finals had Owen Hart pinning Farouk to win the vacant WWF Intercontinental Championship. You had Crush, Chains, Skull, and 8-Ball. Remember the DOA? They defeated Savio Vega, Miguel Perez, Jose Estrada, and Jesus Castillo, the Boricuas. The WWF World Champion, Brett the Hitman Hart, and the British Bulldog, Davey Boy Smith, defeated the Patriot and Vader in a flag match. And then, in the first ever Hell in a Cell, October 5th, 1997, Shawn Michaels defeated The Undertaker. We also got the debut of Kane. Now, do you remember Kane in that first match? Coming up from the bottom of the ring, and oh my goodness, it's Kane. It's Kane. Yeah, that was just such a classic call by JR. Not only did we get the drama of the first ever cell match, you had Shawn Michaels versus Undertaker, one of the top rivalries of all time in the WWE. And then you got the debut of Kane. Now think about how far all of that has come. You had The Undertaker retire Shawn Michaels eventually at WrestleMania. Then you had uh, Kane and The Undertaker at it, in and out for so long. The, the, the storyline of Kane, as cheesy as it started, created one of the greatest characters of all time in wrestling. Unbelievable first time out for the Hell in a Cell. And here we are. What are we? 20-something years later? Still having this match, and by the way, still having supernatural elements happen. For anybody that was saying, hey, that ending was hokey for this year's Hell in a Cell match, keep in mind, uh, it started out with the debut of Kane. Another wackadoo in a mask. By the way, in 2008, WWE had their No Mercy pay-per-view, which saw WWE world champion at the time, Chris Jericho, defeating Shawn Michaels in a ladder match to retain the championship in a match that Jericho names as one of his favorite of all time. Definitely worth a watch. Go back and check out that ladder match between Jericho and Shawn Michaels to literally watch two of the best go at it. One of them, by the way, Chris Jericho, still around in 2019 as a world champion. How's about that now? The highlight of history for the week for me is this one. This is the day, October 12th. You ready for this? October 12th was the day that I heard about Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Canada. That's the first time in my life that I had ever had to learn how to spell Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, because that is where Bret Hart defeated Ric Flair to win the WWF World Heavyweight Championship for the first time. This was, this was one of those things, as a Bret Hart guy, to hear the results of that match on the show, on Superstars. I remember tuning into Superstars and hearing them say, we have a new world champion. And I remember going, what? What? And, and, and even then, just, just having this happen at a house show. Now, thankfully, the cameras were rolling on this one. 
And we were able to see the match eventually down the road, I think on one of those WrestleFest tapes. You remember those? WrestleFest was like this pay-per-view on a cassette tape that like it never it, it was never aired on pay-per-view or anything like that. And one of those it was literally a highlight a a highlight tape that featured Bret Hart versus Ric Flair and him winning that World Heavyweight Championship. My guy, this was my guy, did it. He won the championship. And guys, like I told you, Bret Hart's career had been up and down, up and down. He had his singles run. He went back and won the tag team championships again. He tried the singles run again. They gave him another shot, and it clicked. And then he defeated Ric Flair, of all people, to win the championship from. He defeated the Nature Boy. Ric Flair. And then eventually, he had another setback. Now, it makes me think about Kofi. He was riding high, and then he had this setback. And only time will tell if this setback is going to be his comeback. That's the Wrestle With Hope word of the week. Comeback. What I want to do is I want to kind of go back to a message that I uh, shared on stage over a year or two ago, where I talked about that exact same thing, how a setback is just simply a setup for a comeback. Check this out. God can take your mess and make it his message. But I'm still in the middle of his mess. Man, listen, a message starts somewhere. It starts at the beginning. If you're at the beginning of that message, God still wants to share it. God's doing something in you, and he wants to share it. God can take your mess and make it his message. He can take, listen, he can take what you've been through in your past. God never wastes a hurt. God will never waste a hurt. He can take the mess and turn it into something. He can take your past and use it to help somebody else. You ever see somebody about to make the same mistake you were going to make? Maybe it's your child, maybe it's a relative, maybe it's somebody at work. I mean, it could be something simple. It could just be like something like like a work training thing, and you go, no, 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 don't do that. Don't cross the streams. Why? Something bad will happen. No, 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 don't do that. What? Now listen, when you're dating that person, right, don't do that. Don't cross the streams. Why? Something bad will happen. How do you know? I've been there. Cross the streams. Bad. You ever help somebody not cross the streams? That's God using your past, using your mess to make it his message. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. God's working for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. God's working on something good, guys. At any time, God could take your mess and turn it into his message. Come back. That's the Wrestle With Hope word of the week. Folks, I want to encourage you to connect with us. Please send us a message at wrestlewithhope at gmail.com. Check us out on Instagram, Wrestle With Hope on Instagram. And then Wrestle With Hope on Twitter as well. Find us on Facebook, Wrestle With Hope podcast. 
If you want to support Ability Tree Florida and you enjoyed what you heard on the podcast, check out donorbox.org slash wrestle with hope. Big thank you to Josiah Williams for his song Number One Contender as our theme song and his song AJ Styles as our outro. Follow him at J. Dean Williams and Wrestle and Flow. Thank you to artist Greg Goslin for our logo. Follow him on Instagram at Greg Goslin and see more of his incredible artwork. Guys, I cannot wait to bring you another action-packed week right here at Wrestle With Hope. This is Wayne Cordova signing off. And remember, if God is for you, who can dare stand against you? Until next week, then, this would be Gordon Soley saying so long from the Sunshine State.